You're listening to a podcast from Victory Alabang. The gospel resulted in the birth and growth of the church. Learn more on this message by Pastor Carlos Santos. We'll be talking about kung ano talagang sinalihan nyo, ano talagang napasukan nyo, what did you get yourself into by coming here every Sunday? Alright, that's what our series in Act is about. But Past Perfect is over there, how come? Is it the wrong series? I kind of just want to talk about it a little. Did you think it was an awesome series? It was an awesome series, wasn't it? We saw, what amazed me about it is that we saw that the entire Bible, the whole of Scripture, just like Jesus himself said in John 5, it all pointed to Jesus Christ. From Genesis to Exodus to everything there, what even, even Lamentations and Leviticus, yes, it all pointed to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's why we're here now. And I don't want to depart from this by starting to talk about the church. I want us to see that everything Jesus did is the reason we're here. The reason we're in this spiritual family. The reason we're in this community. It's because of what he did afterwards. Because just like a story. I love stories. You love movies? It's just like, it's just like Lord of the Rings 1, right? I mean, you go through all this, 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 uh, this fight, the war, and at the end... Frodo and Sam go on this separate journey, and then suddenly, whoop, closing credits, what happened? It's kind of what happened with Jesus Christ in the gospel. And I want to show you the picture of what the disciples were going through. Just picture what the disciples are going through. They're with Jesus, they see all these miracles. And they say, wow, this is it, he's the Messiah, he's coming, he's going to change the world. And he died. (gasps) What happened? But three days later, he rose again, proving to everybody that everything he said was true. Oh, wow, this is it. This is when it really happens. But then he leaves. (laughs) Can you imagine what the disciples are thinking? Jesus, emotional roller coaster right though. What are you doing to us? But Jesus says, this is because I'm going to do, this is where I'm going to start building my church. I'm going to use you. The kingdom is going to advance through you. I'm going to change this world with you as my hands, with you as my feet, with you as my heart. So I want to show you, this is my prayer, that you see that the way Jesus built his church is the way we're building church, our church, our family right now. All right? Would you turn to a seatmate? You just can't take kids' church out of me, okay? Would you have this little activity? Could you turn to a seatmate, just one person, and share with them what you think when you hear the word church? Just one word. Please don't share your life story. I know we can do that later. (laughs) What do you think when you hear the word church? Just share quickly. One word. What do we do here? Maybe think to yourself. Is it about worshiping God? Is it about the praise songs? Is it about feeling the Holy Spirit heal every part of yourself and your wound? For me, you want to share? You want to share? What do you think when you hear church? Pastor Ray, what do you think when you hear the word church? Jesus. Jesus. Sir, what do you think? Stephen, what do you think when you hear the word church? Us. Wow, people. Living, breathing people. That's very close. I think church is kind of like a family. All right? This is, this is my family. 
Oh, sorry. That's the objective of our family. At the end of this series, our people will grasp and be inspired to actively participate in the Every Nation mission. What is this family up to? And by the end of this series, may you find out, may you discover, may you be committed to being part of that. But some families, you don't have a choice, right? My baby was born to my family. This is the picture of my baby. Oh. Every time, just... And uh, yeah, well, I just showed the picture of my baby. And they're like, oh. He's right there. Hi, Eli. My baby has no choice what, what family he's born into. And this family that he was born into has certain rules. I'm kind of afraid of the day that Eli is going to come to me and say, Daddy, how come at the Peñas, they, have, they watch all these TV, these cartoons? And I can't watch TV. How come at the Marcuses, they have all these, all these sweet cookies and baked stuff and I, I can't have sugar? Eli, because you jump around. <laughs> and basically, you know what I tell him? I say, Eli, you're not a Pena. Yeah? <laughs> you can see him, he's going, yeah. You're not a Marques. You're a Santos. And in the Santos family, we have rules. Okay. No TV till you're 40. I mean, till you're maybe five. <laughs> no sugar, ever. <laughs> well, we have rules. And these rules may seem like that, but because of our relationship, because he's part of this family, how many of you know those, those rules, though, that relationship is going to determine his identity, determine his purpose in life, guide his actions, basically bring him into his destiny. That's what happens when you're part of a family. And the entire series this month is going to be about you learning what this family does. Hopefully it will show you, because you've decided to be part of it, who you are as well. And what are the things we can do, determine your actions, and bring you to your own destiny as part of this family. So we pray there that you're asking yourselves at the end of this series, are my prayer and our prayer is that you ask yourselves, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> what is this? But after September, may you say, man, this is what I'm a part of. I can't believe I'm a part of this church and this is what we're doing together. So without any further ado, you want to get into what the disciples were up to as they started building their church? Let's do that. As we, can I ask you all to stand up in deference, in respect to the word? Let me give you a bit of a background this is when the disciples had been left. But Jesus said to them, wait, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. So it was a very climactic scene. The climax of God's master plan, the start. He brings all these Jews from all over, all over the world to witness the disciples, the Holy Spirit falling upon the disciples and them speaking in different foreign languages. Konnichiwa, annyeonghaseyo. Oh, well, probably not Japanese. <laughs> but different people. And I can, I can understand what he's saying. Something's going on. And then Peter, in all boldness and with the power of the Holy Spirit, starts to proclaim the gospel. Starts to introduce Jesus Christ to them. And in the end, if you turn to Acts chapter 2, Acts being the book where we will all see how the disciples started this this thing that Jesus wanted to advance the kingdom with, this church. We'll start from verse 36. 
But you don't have to read along until we, we go on to 42. Let me read the first part. Peter is ending his sharing of the gospel with this. So finally, let all the house, in verse 36, all the house of Israel, therefore know for certain, everybody say certain, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, who? This Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter unashamedly, unapologetically says to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you, and for your children, and for all who are far off. Remember, they were Jews from far off, and they were going to return to where they came from. And everyone, and this is us, whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Who here is called by God? And, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Let's start with this. Why don't you read along with me? Verse 41. So those who received his words were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What happened afterwards? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe. Everybody say awe. yung cute na baby nakita natin. Just complete awe. Let's read again. Came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food and with glad and generous hearts What are they doing? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. The only reason we are here is because you added us. The only reason we are here is that you loved us enough to send your only son. You clothed him in flesh and blood to live the perfect life. We should have lived that, but we would never live that. And he died the death that we should have died in our place. But thank you, Lord, that the story doesn't end there. After a few days, he rose again, proving to everybody that he had authority over life, sin, and death, and that he grants eternal life and forgiveness of sins just to anyone who believes. That's why we're here today. That's how we are inheriting all this. Because even then, the story doesn't stop, Lord. And Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes to how we are part of this story now, to what Jesus continued to do with the disciples. And may all glory just go to you. In Jesus' mighty name we say, amen and amen. As you say amen, would you just shake the hand of your seatmate? Maybe high-five them a bit. There we go. It's a cool crowd. (laughs) How did Jesus build his church, which now you find yourselves being in right now today? Jesus built his church, three points that we received from the book of Acts, for what we just read. Jesus built his church for us to gather. Let's read part of that again. I'm going to start in reverse, okay? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the reverse of that scripture that we just read and go back. And then after each point, you'll see that Jesus 
did it that way as well. That it's not something the disciples came up with. It's what Jesus had in his heart for, him to, for them to do. Okay? So let's go to the last part of what we just read to verse 44. 44 says, And all who believed were together and had what? All things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This is a socialist dream. I used to be an activist in my college days. And this is what we were fighting for, that all possessions would be equal. But whereas, honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be open to you and open my heart out to you. We were, it was a mindset and ideology that we were trying to force on people. But look at them. They did this out of the goodness of the heart, out of what the gospel did in their hearts. Let's keep saying, and they were selling all their possessions, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, look at what what was going on in this. They were not just gathering on a Sunday to raise their hands and just, you know, just sing and just be ministered and be inspired by the message. They were together from the Monday to the Saturday. They were breaking and eating meals together. Unlike us, after this, yay, we go out to our separate meals. They go to McDo, we eat outside there in the dinner table, and, and that's it. But they were together having all things in common sharing lives. That's the gathering that Jesus meant us to have. Not getting together, but sharing lives. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with what kind of hearts? Glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all people. And in this, in these relationships, God kept adding to them. Sharing life. No wonder the church is called the body of Christ. I'm sure a lot of us here have great, I don't want to say bodies. You look like an awesome crowd. Good looking. But those beautiful eyes, if I came here and took that beautiful eye out of your head and showed it to you, would that be a beautiful eye? Ew, that'd be disgusting. Any beautiful part of the body, separate from the body itself, is disgusting. (laughs) It's a little bit like us. Separate from the body of Christ, our lives are for naught. Now, it's not, I know what I'm challenging you to do. Relationships are messy. I will be the first to tell you that it's not easy sharing life with someone. Before I was a pastor, before I was into, invited into full-time ministry, I was a storyboard artist for the animation industry. I had the privilege of being part of one of the first animated films here in the Philippines, 3D animated films called RPG Metanoia. I know you've probably loved watching Pixar and Disney. Have you watched the latest, Inside Out? Yeah, galing, no? Everybody keeps saying, you know what? A Filipino was the one who assisted the director. Do you know that with animation... You don't have scripts. You don't work with scripts. You don't give a whole load of lines for the actor to, to, to memorize. How they develop the storyline is that they put pictures together. We had entire walls of us drawing pictures and scenes. That's how we would develop the story for animation, animated films. So that the director and the storyboard artist would go together and look at the wall. Uh, they go, um, you know what, this, this story doesn't work, this scene doesn't work, let's take that away. So imagine this entire hallway 
covered in drawings. Different scenes happening in the story. That's how animated films are developed. And that was my job. So you can imagine thousands and thousands of drawings, literally weeks of me at my drawing table, not talking to anyone. Don't talk to me. I'd have a deadline every week. And then I would go to the director and he'd say, look, look at these hundreds of drawings. Look at the wall. Um, let's, let's, let's scratch this scene. Let's draw. When he says, let's scratch that scene, it literally means hundreds of drawings for me. That's, that was my job. And you can imagine how much time I had to socialize with people, to get to know somebody. I would not be sharing life. So, so relationships are not easy. I mean, you can get offended. People can see what's going on in you and they can give criticism and comment. But you know what? Life alone is not easy as well. I'd liken it to, uh, to a herd. You know, when we're together, when we're a community, when we're a quote-unquote a herd, predators can't get to us. Like these two lions. They'll go. They'll wait for their prey, for their food. But once they know that we're in a, they're in a group, they can't get close. What they do is they sit still and wait for a straggler. They'll wait for someone to lag behind. And once that person lags behind, the predator pounces. A life alone is not easy. That's way too vulnerable. And I've had these moments myself. In fact, like I said, I'm right here in front, so I'm going to share my heart out and just be transparent to you. I had a alone moment, a private moment, just the other night. It was a really tiring day. I, went from, I came from the fort, and I, uh, I had a date with my wife. Because, you know, you need to date your wife. Right, husbands? Right. We need to date our wives. So I dated my wife. <laughs> and then, of course, I had, to, I had to fetch my baby who was with, his, with my mother-in-law. Thank God for mother's-in-law. <laughs> um, amen. And so we kind of ended, ended up getting home at around 11. And on my way home at the toll booth in Susana Heights, there was this, this guy in front of me who was, um, didn't know where to go, whether he was going to go into the RFID lane or whether he was going to go into the cash lane in the toll booth. So he was kind of veering towards the RFID lane. So I'm thinking, all right, uh, make up your mind, but the, the, the cash lane is open, so I'm just going to go in ahead. And then at the last minute, he decides to go into the cash lane. But I'm already moving in, so I kind of cut him. And you could hear him go, blowing his horn, dah, 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 the whole time that I'm at the toll booth. And you're probably thinking, mm, you know, let it go. Me, pastor, with all my grace and all the, the overflowing of the Holy Spirit. <sighs> I'm going to be honest with you, and I, I took the road more traveled. I stopped in front of him and allowed him to toot his arm. <laughs> you know, instead of just letting him go, if you're here right now, if that was you last night, I am so, so sorry. Honestly. Honestly, I am so, so sorry. You probably had a bad day. Instead of me stopping the car, pulling it aside, and coming over and, how are you? I'm really sorry. It was my fault that I cut you. I'm really sorry. That's what I did. I agitated him even more. And as I sped off into the highway, 
I would see him in my rearview mirror. You know, 11 o'clock, there are all these trucks. And I would turn left through the truck, and he'd still be behind me. I'd turn right, and he'd still be behind me. You know, it was kind of like, no, it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> but that was the fear I was feeling, the tension I was feeling. What is he going to do? I better stick to the truck lanes, or else I don't know what this guy is going to do. And my wife is going, it's too fast, it's too fast. What are you doing? Carl, slow down. And I'm going, no, I got to get away from this guy. I got to get away from this guy. And then as we reach the Alabang toll booth, whoa, he starts to veer into a lane. He, that's where he cuts me off. He cuts me off and literally stops right there in the, uh, in the flyover going to the toll booth of Alabang. You know that place, right? He stops. And he's trying to agitate. What am I, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And he goes into, he goes into the lane and of course, the smart thing for me to do is should have been to follow him because now I'm behind him, right? But no, for some reason, I veer to the other lane so that he can get a look at me. <laughs> and then I realize, as we go into the toll booth, he's waiting for me to come out. And I'm suddenly realizing, what did I just do? And I look behind me, and I see that I'm being transparent, right, honey? Okay. <laughs> my, my baby wasn't even in the car seat yet because things had happened so fast. Because I did what I did. And it started creeping on me that I just endangered my family because of one moment of pride. And he stops out of the toll booth. And I said, never mind. Let me be the coward. I'm not going to face him. I'm just going to stop right here in the toll booth and let him go. But that whole time, it was an emotional roller coaster ride for me. What did I just do? Every car that I'm going to see going by is him now in my mind. My, in, my, my, in my wife's mind is now etched the face of that furious driver. And the idea that I just put my, my beautiful baby's boy's life at risk. And I go home and I'm feeling, this, I'm feeling even this resentment towards my wife. How could you not support me? I mean, you know, so what if you're scared? So what if you had Eli in your arms? <laughs> I let her down. I let my baby down. And this, this the, the heaviest part was I felt like I, I, I let God down. Why didn't I take the gracious road? And But one thought, one thought pierced my mind that whole sleepless night. I can't wait to talk to Pastor Chico the next day. I can't wait to talk to Pastor Rain tomorrow. I need to tell somebody about this. I need somebody to speak life into me. I need somebody to really get me out of where I got, found myself stuck in. That's what, that's what church is to me. And Jesus meant for us to live that way. Because life can sometimes, especially this, this, this struggle with sin, life can be a highway chase. Just one little moment of weakness and sin won't let us go. It'll swerve lanes for us. It'll pursue us. And it might find us trapped unless we have someone in our lives speaking life to us. Wow. Even Jesus said, and he realized that not only is this something to minister to us, it's a powerful, powerful weapon. A new commandment I give to you, he said in John 13. That you love one another just as I have loved you. Not on a Sunday, not during worship, but from, a, from every day of your life. You also love one another. 
And he says, look at what he says. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Not that you go to, to Akasha to, on a Sunday. They know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we are sharing life together. Pastor Chico, okay lang ba up here? This is the picture of what Jesus was trying to, this is the picture that Jesus was trying to paint. This man, you all know Pastor Chico? I want to honor this man. Who here loves Pastor Chico? Our family minister. He, this man is not satisfied by letting us be here on a Sunday. He wants to know what's going on. In fact, he has this amazing supernatural ability. He knows that on a, on a, on a Thursday, any given Thursday, he knows if me and my wife had a fight the day, the day before. He will show his head in my office and say, Ano na namang ginawa mo? What did you do now? It's like, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> God bless the, 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 the miracle of technology. I guess Mary Ann, his wife, is just a text away. There are people like him, and I appreciate, I love men like him, who won't be satisfied with just seeing you, me, me here Sunday after Sunday and out of ministry time. He wants to know what, how my love life is doing. Bernard Marquez, the man I showed you a while ago, is my mentor as kids pastor. He, he would come to me and say, I don't care what you're doing in ministry. I don't care about what happens on a Sunday. How's your love life? I love men. I love men like this. I love you, brother. <laughs> I say that unembarrassedly. I love this man. Let's give a hand for Pastor Chico. Thank you, Miss Shirley, Miss Mary Ann, those of you who are mentors to my wife. We... I, I honestly don't think we could be where we are as a husband and wife, as a family, without you. I'm trying to build this, 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 this compulsion in you, this urging. I want to have that. I want to have those feelings. I know it might be messy. I know you'll need to be, you need to be a little bit vulnerable. But let me tell you, it is worth it. There is this full life that Jesus has for you through these messy relationships. These imperfect relationships. And it's a mighty, mighty weapon because when we gather, you know what happens? We grow. Jesus built his church to grow. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles, what? Teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And what happened as they gave themselves, because that's what devoted means, giving themselves up over to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. In verse 43 it says, and awe came upon every soul. We're just repeating this verse. And many wonders and signs. Would you say wonders and signs? Were being done through the apostles. If you give yourself over to what your family, your church is doing, oh man, the amazing things that you will witness. I have been a witness to so many healings, so many people broken and shattered dreams being restored by God. All things grow. But here's what I, I'm figuring with this, with this verse. Yes, God brought them to a period of awe and, and signs and wonders happening, but they devoted themselves to something. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to being together and also to the teaching. It takes effort. It takes care for things to grow, especially the precious, beautiful things in our lives. You know what I'm talking about, right? Our children our careers, those beautiful things in our lives. It takes care, consistent and constant care. That's why I want to just thank you, parents. 
for your children in kids' church, we are making every effort that they know who Jesus is. And we know we have, I know we have all these policies, but I, I want to tell you we won't apologize for those because we want to give you security and trust that when your kids go to us, they're taken care of, they're safe. That's why those policies that you need your Fetcher's ID, all the parents, you have your Fetcher's ID? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just doing this for the teachers. Please, please show your Fetcher's ID. Please comply with our guidelines because they're there because we care for your kids. We want them to be secure. We know that you trust us with them. For things to grow, you need consistent care. You know the, the one thing that doesn't need care but will just grow and grow and grow? Well, it's this. It's weeds. This is a beautiful, beautiful weed. It's not a plant. It's not a flower. Alam nyo po yung makahiya? Right? It's this, this, this little weed that when you touch it, it'll close up and sleep. My baby Eli loves this. He keeps touching them. Go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. Beautiful weeds. And they don't need anything. Unlike some flowers, you need water, you need good soil, you need to break up the soil a little. During, and I realized this, during this period where we don't really know whether, is it going to rain or is, is it rainy season already or is it still summer? It's, it just seems so hot sometimes. But in my garden, the weeds, this weed just seems to grow and grow. And you realize that maybe they're cute, maybe my baby loves them, but if you touch them, they have thorns and they can grow to as many as this. And they can harm our kids. So I had to uproot it from our garden and it took a lot of effort to uproot it. If we don't take care, weeds will grow into our lives. Weeds will go into our children's lives. The TV is telling them so many things. Their, their classmates are telling them so many things. The peer pressure that they're going through every single day. You know, it's so hard right now for children. I mean, I know they have internet. They're probably, they're, they're not probably, they're certainly smarter than we were at their age, right? But the pressure that they're going through in school, the cyberbullying that's happening, man, weeds can just grow up and take and snatch their destiny. Just like the, the predators. The herd, and waiting for the herds, weeds don't need anything to grow. But we need constant, consistent care to make sure their destinies are set. The enemy never steals, kills, or destroys the purpose of our next generation. And I realized this. The best way for us to grow, us personally, to witness what God is doing, is to take care of the next generation, to be involved in that. Because if we're just taking care of our, certain, our own growth, it'll reach a point where you've done enough. And probably some of us felt, I've done all that. But when you start taking care of the next generation, you know how to teach, how to teach the next generation? Have students. I love training. I love being filled up and by, by mentors like Pastor Ray and Pastor Chico, Pastor Joey, uh, our, our apostolic team in every nation and victory. But the greatest way to actually te- start teaching is to actually have students. I attended a lot of parenting seminars. But what was the best way for me to grow as a parent? To have a child. For us to grow as people who would make disciples for, for Jesus, how do we grow? Have disciples, make disciples. And the church has something for us. It's like Jesus said this, I am the true vine. This is his promise as we keep going and making disciples. My father is the vine dresser in John 15. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, this is the funny thing. 
He prunes. That means he cuts off. I thought it was bearing fruit. Lord, why are you cutting that off? If you know plants, I'm not, I don't have a green thumb, but my grandmother just could make... You have these people who have this ability to make anything grow. But they would, they would need to cut things, right? So that other parts, other parts of the plant would grow and bear fruit. Jesus meant for us to bear fruit. And before you think it's all about the numbers, oh, I need to do, I need to, to make disciples of this, I need to bring like 50, my whole barangay to church. It's not about the number of people you bring to church. The fruit that it's talking about is the fruit of love, the fruit of joy, the fruit of peace, what the gospel brings to the lives of many of people. That's the fruit that Jesus is talking about. And the church, and he wants us to be connected to the lifeblood of the church. This is what victory has for us. And it's the most amazing new thing you've ever seen. (laughs) Every week in and week out, we talk about victory weekend. We talk about victory groups. It's all part of this journey. What is it called? It's called a discipleship journey. What we do here in Victory is we engage people. It's all about relationships. We connect with them. And then as we make friends and build these relationships, we just bring them to Jesus. That's what establishing is about. And then, of course, we want it to keep growing. We want you to lead other people. Jesus wants, God wants for us to do this. That's why we equip. We have programs to equip. And then we, and then we just trust. Just like I'm being given this trust now. We just trust in each other that we will be doing this. For those of you who don't see from far away, it's just, there are programs that the church has. There's one-to-one. There's a little booklet we have that we share that makes it easy. Just so that, really, it's just so easy to be making disciples, to be sharing the gospel to people. We have one-to-one. We have Victory Weekend. We announce that almost every month. After a person gets to know Jesus, it's very clear what the gospel does. We, we, we establish the foundation of Jesus Christ for a victorious life. And of course, I can see your faces now, right now. Blah, 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 blah. These, it looks like a program. But I, can, can I share this with you? These may be events that we go into, we invest in, we are asked you to participate in, but there is life in these programs. It's more, not a program, it's more, a, just like it says, it's a journey. Everybody say journey. It's a journey. And just like Jesus was talking about being connected to the vine, this is what the church has for us to breathe life into our lives. And into the lives of all the people that we share Jesus with. See how easy it is for us. You can just go outside and inquire to any one of our Victory Group leaders, what is this established? What is this Victory Weekend? What is this Foundation for Victory? That's all you have to do for this kind of growth. Like I said, I'm so humbled to be given this trust for the next generation. And let me say this. I've seen some of you children, your children operate in, you know, in, in the gifts that God has given them. They have such faith for healing. They pray for you. I get those little tithing envelopes. Your children also do tithes. We're teaching them to do that. And they write their prayer requests and their belief for you, their parents. Their belief that healing will happen in your lives. Their belief that provision and promotion will happen in your lives. I have children who are going on missions. And they're going to different provinces and churches and they're prophesying the word of God. They're sharing the gospel of Jesus to all these provinces. Children who are less than 12 years old. That's growth. So if you, if you feel called by God to grow, invest in the growth of the next generation. Can I show you this picture? 
I love movies, and I, I heard, I, I saw that some of you love movies. This is a scene from a movie about a team who's, who almost, whose legacy almost ended. And in this climactic scene, the climax of this movie, it's just a clip I got from YouTube, so I didn't, I didn't like uh, get a torrent or anything. Uh, it, it, they made it into a video okay, clip. Um, but it's this scene where a legacy is about to be cut off. And in this scene, we see the picture of investing in the next generation. But you see that scene as the light opened and revealed all the... Barden Bellas, that's the name of their team. And they were being threatened by their organization being closed down because of a mistake. But in this end, the light would reveal all the Barden Bellas of the past generations, giving their support for this new generation of a cappella singers. And the song is amazing in the fact that it talks about a light. And the light that it was talking about was the light of their mentors, the lights of their coaches, people who are invested, who can invest in our lives if we let them. But let me talk about this light. Jesus said in John 8, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Bible calls us uh, like a lampstand that we shouldn't be covered, like a city on a hill that should be shown to all. That's the growth that God can give us. When we invest in growing other people, that's the light that Jesus can shine in us and through us. I just really, catchy, for, catchy tune. Did you guys watch Pitch Perfect? How to be a pretty series? Ugh, a cappella fans. But of course, this... This will bear so much fruit in our lives. Can you imagine us doing that? Every single one of us. It doesn't have to be the kids. It can be the next generation of parents. If you're, uh, if you're parents and you're thunders, uh, this is my cute term for those who, have, who kind of have grandkids as well. Grandparents is a great way to call you. You can invest in the new parents. If you're, if you're, if you're a newlywed couple, you can invest in the singles. If you're a single professional, why not invest in the youth who are graduating? And so forth and so forth. And just imagine the kind of growth, the kind of garden, the kind of paradise that we could create, that God could create through us. But of course, what happens when it's so beautiful and there's so much light and we have nowhere to go? What happens there? Because God, Jesus built his church, not just for us to gather, not just for us to grow, but for us to go. Let's go back to our text. And as I said, we're going backwards. Who was the one who went? The disciples. And this man, Peter, if I would say so, uh, one of the most uh, pasaway, sorry, Peter, <laughs> one of the most, I, maybe the Bible even calls him a bit stubborn, right? He, he's, he's the first one to talk to Jesus. Jesus, maybe we shouldn't have done this. He's the first one to say, you know, Jesus, I should be at your right hand. This is what you should do. And then Jesus would continuously Put him back in his place. In fact, he was the one who denied Jesus three times, right? And look at this man, Peter. He was the one who steps up boldly to share the gospel. He goes to share the gospel. And he he shares everyone. And unabashedly, unembarrassed, he says, you need to repent. You crucify this man, Jesus. Sometimes we're tentative in approaching people, but Peter in all boldness says to them, repent and be baptized every, say this with me, every one of you. Whoever we're talking to, is it our bosses? 
Is it our, our family? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for everyone. This is not the ones, for all who are far off, that was talking to the Jews. But for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Has God called you to himself? Then this is for you. To go and share the gospel. And with many other words, he bore witness. Could you say that word, witness? That's basically what sharing the gospel is about, right? Just bearing witness. And continue to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. They were added that day. The Bible in the previous verses was saying they were cut to the heart. When you watch a good movie, you can't help but share it, right? That pitch perfect. Oh man, that was an amazing, amazing movie. Uh, Inside out, I cried all the time. Uh, what was that other one? The playlist. <laughs> Whatever those movies are, oh wow. We can't help it because it touched us, it moved us. Doesn't the gospel do that to us as well? What would happen to us if it was all inside and we were growing and growing and growing and we had nowhere to share it? A word where the church is derived from is, is the word ecclesia. I have it here in the, in the English, E-C-C-L-E. In the Greek, it's spelled with K. Thank you, Pastor Rain, for this. It's, it's, it literally means called out ones. But in another version, it could be called, we're, we're the ones being called to go. We're the ones being called out to be sent. We're not meant to stay here on a Sunday and keep the gospel to ourselves. I'm so convinced of the beauty and power of the gospel that like a fire shut up in my bones, I can't keep it to myself. I need to preach it. I need to share it. I need to tell my dad about that. He's struggling with stage 3 cancer. God, God give, let me have this opportunity. Dad, you need Jesus. To my brothers and sisters, to my workmates, to my, to my, to my boss, I need to share the gospel. It's like a fire in my bones. And I find any pulpit, whether it's a drawing. I, I wasn't sharing the gospel when I became a pastor. I was sharing it even, even during the time in the animation industry. Whether by a sketch, whether to the children, whether in a song or a movie. I want to see how all the world, everybody say all the world. All the world can point to Jesus Christ, not just all of Scripture. There's a song like that, you know? Kind of like, like the song that we heard. You know this, Psalm 139? Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? <laughs> Sorry, I was so affected by the pitch perfect. That's why I'm a pastor. I'm not a worship leader. Sorry about this. <laughs> it's a song that says, If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, in the grave, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. What a beautiful song. That means everywhere you go, you cannot go without seeing Jesus. But are we sharing that with the people who don't know? You know, there are people I won't be able to reach. 
You have 11 pastors. Are we 11 or 12? 12, we're not 12. With a 12,000 congregation. And even that 12,000 congregation, member congregation, we won't be able to reach your office mates. We won't be able to reach your family. That's because we're not the church. We're all the church. Each and every single one of us here is the hand, eye, heart, feet of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ. Oh, now, wow. Whew. John, 20, John 20. Jesus said to this, if, if it's not clear to us, what I'm saying, Jesus himself says this. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. I know this church thing is hard. I just feel Jesus, God speaking to you right now. Everything I've been saying, everything this pastor has been saying to you, complicated, messy, I don't want to be offended, you're opening yourself up for hurt. But peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. If you close your eyes for a minute, you can hear God saying that. I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Catch the last sentence. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, I don't want to get into the theological debate of whether forgiveness can be on a person, if they have the power of forgiveness. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he is calling us to represent him. Sometimes a Jesus, as some people will know, the first Jesus they'll know is us. Jesus saved us. For this purpose, to gather, to grow, and to go. Bill Hybels, an author, he, he writes these books with uh, Volunteer. Volunteer Revolution is a book that he wrote. And I really love one of his books because in the kids' ministry, it's all volunteers. How can 12 pastors pastor a church? It's because people volunteer to lead, to teach, to be involved in ministry. Bill Hybels is, is a writer of Volunteer Revolution. And he said... And he said, the local church is the hope of the world. And in his book, Courageous Leadership, he tells us that Acts 2 tells us that this community of believers, this, what's that word? Church. Offered unbelievers a vision of life that was so what? Beautiful. It was so beautiful, so radiant, it took their breath away. I need to be a part of this. What, where am I? What am I not doing? I want to, whatever you're doing, I want to be there. It was so bold, so creative, so dynamic that the people at that time could not resist. Churches can become the redemptive centers that Jesus intended them to be. Not this place, but this people. There's going to be dynamic teaching, creative worship, deep community and relationships. We can be reaching out to people. There's, there's joyful services. Do you love the worship time in the beginning? Sometimes, we're, yeah, we're so fired up. At least where I'm concerned. <laughs> your kids, just as an aside, your kids, I love them, but they're the most bold and expressive kids we know. And that's just great because they're going to be our future leaders, right? But they will tell me when I'm boring. They'll just go, <laughs> boring. You'll suddenly hear somebody say that. But we love everything we do here. But not just here, what I'm telling you. Everything that we do from Monday to Sunday can be reaching out, can be renewing the hearts and minds of seekers and believers alike. They can be strengthening families. They can be transforming communities. They can be changing our nation and the world. 
if we follow God's call to gather, grow, and go. In fact, if going, if you have all these things in mind, grab it, Pastor, that's too complicated. If you just go, everything else will follow. Bill Hybels further says, I believe that the only power that exists, that's why we can go on this sorry planet that can change the world, it's the power of the love of Jesus Christ. The love that conquers sin and wipes out shame and heals wounds and reconciles enemies and patches broken dreams and ultimately changes the world one life at a time. And you know what was gripping him? What grips Bill Hybels and is gripping me? That every day, this knowledge that the radical message of that transforming love, it's been given to us. It's, it's in our hands. It's in our heart. The Bible has an equivalent in Ephesians 3. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Corinthians. Everybody say to preach. To preach to the Gentiles, the lost, the unsearchable riches of Christ. That means it's a mystery to most. But to us, it's clear what Jesus Christ did to us. How much God loves us. It's right there on the cross. And to bring to life for everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? How is God going to do that? So that through the church, the manifold, through everybody say church once again, church, the manifold wisdom of who God is, what God did, might now be made known to everywhere, rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Can we do a quick game? I'm sure you know this. Once again, bring it back to kids' church. Yeah. <laughs> Quick game. I'm going to show you a brand, kind of a test of what we've been talking about. I'm going to show you a logo, and you tell me what it is, all right? And you tell me what they serve, what they give. What's this logo? What do they serve? All right. What's this logo? McDo, what do they serve? Burgers. What's this logo? I love this. Disney. What do they may give us? Cartoons, movies, animated films. You know this one? Wow, DreamWorks. They give us what? Cooler cartoons. I am biased. Sorry, sorry, I'm biased. I'm biased. Animated films as well. Enlightening stories. What about this brand? Wow, Kids Church. What do they give? What do we give? (laughs) There's so many different answers. Worship, uh, the gospel, uh, worship services, small groups. What's the answer? Let me give you this, and let's read this all together. Every nation exists. Come on, let me hear you. To honor God. Ah, ba naman pastor? Pwede bang honor God and make disciples? That's basically it. But in the next few weeks, you will, be in, you, will, you will be shown exactly how your spiritual family, this church, does it. Establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and kids' churches and campus ministries in every nation. But I feel God just wanting to meet you first. And I'd like to invite everybody to Close your eyes. 
I just sense people questioning. Ah, it's okay. Good message. Little entertained. I'll go home. Kind of bit, probably complicated for me. Some people will do that. Let the pastors do that. Let the ministers do that. The victory group leaders do that. But if a part of you is feeling the tug of God's heart and saying, no, I meant this for you. I meant you. I saved you to gather, to be connected, to grow with the life that is in the the body of Christ and to go and share this. But because I love you, even before you do any of this right now, I want to, I just want to bless you right now, the Lord is saying. I feel the Lord saying right now that you feel maybe you're ashamed or embarrassed. There's something broken in your life and you can't do this. I can't be connected. I don't want people to see my life right now. I feel the Holy Spirit wanting to come to you and saying, I can heal you of that. I can restore your broken dreams. I can restore and reconcile, heal your shattered relationships. I can take away that shame and guilt that is in you that's been pursuing you like a highway chase. I can do that for you right now. God is saying, be healed. You don't have to share this with anybody, but I love you right now, the Lord is saying. And just so you you, you never have to doubt it, I've sent my only son. I've sent my only son. And I, and I say this to particularly people who have been, who've been pressured. Maybe your parents pressured you. Maybe your boss is pressuring you. But you've been pressured and you feel like you have to prove something. The Lord is saying, you don't need to prove anything. My seal of approval is on you if you accept this. When you accept my firstborn son, what he did on the cross, if you believe in that, I elevate you to your position as my child as well. If you repented of your sins and accept Jesus Christ, if that's you, just allow Jesus into your heart right now. I want to take away everything in your life that you feel is hindering you from becoming part of my family. Right now, just spend, allow Jesus to send the Holy Spirit in your heart right now. All the offenses you've had. In fact, maybe, maybe someone in church offended you and now there's still a part of you that reacts, ah, I can't do this. Allow the Holy Spirit to heal you right now heal you of that offense. Thank you, Lord. Some of you are weary. You're so weary. You've been waiting on promises from God and thinking, "Uh, I, I can't share my life yet because I don't have much of a life to share. Well, the Bible says He sent His only Son. He paid the price to give you life. Not to, give you, not to give you weariness and brokenness and fatigue, but to give you life and to have it to the full. Lord, right now we break every hindrance. Maybe something has been keeping us from, from our financial breakthroughs. Maybe something has been keeping us from the salvation of our families. Lord, we just speak to those hindrances and those obstacles right now. And the Lord is saying, I break those obstacles right now because I want you to have the full life that I prepared for you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can't doubt your goodness. We can't doubt that your goodness is, is, is good. Your goodness is, is powerful. 
but your goodness is also personal. And we want to spend time bringing you back all the worship. Do you think we could respond? How would, what would be a great way to respond to this truth? Can you read this with me as we end with this final truth? Read this together with me. One, two, three. Jesus saved us. Living, growing, moving members of His body. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.